0: And welcome to BAMSI's Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Reinwell, with the president and CEO of BAMSI, Peter Evers. A lot to talk about here on the podcast this week. And of course, first and foremost, on many individuals' minds, the increased amount of cases in Massachusetts. As we you know, do the podcast here, we're seeing about 2,500 new COVID-19 cases per day. And there's an expectation that that's going to not just double, but perhaps increase by even more than that. Over the coming um, days and potentially weeks to a point of which we're seeing uh, just an exponential amount of new COVID-19 cases, the hospital capacity and the ICUs are already being tested at this point in time with this current amount of cases. And as those increase, uh, we expect uh, field hospitals to have to open and be utilized in the state of Massachusetts, as I uh, want to get your feelings on that, and and where things are headed, and how that's going to inform some of your decisions about how Bamsi uh, continues to provide services, and how those services could be impacted or affected by um, the increase in COVID nineteen cases. Hi, Peter.
1: Hi. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. Um it's really worrying, you know, when you think about sort of nationwide and in pockets. It's really difficult to to actually identify hotspots now because the, the 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 virus has sort of been enveloping the nation. A million cases in the last week. One of the really thing you you touched on it. One of the things that really worries me are these lagging indicators. So if we have uh, places that are up around eleven, twelve, thirteen percent positivity, what that's frightening in itself. But that means that In three weeks' time, we will have a burgeoning um, ICU uh, population and overspill then. And three weeks from there, then we'll begin to see more uh, mortality. Uh, And so there's a definite carved-out pathway that we know is that we're going to have to work towards. When you throw in the holidays that are coming and you throw in the cold weather, um, it really means that we're going to have to be on our toes over the next two or three months Uh, And when you put a backdrop, uh, when you look at a backdrop of political Mm. uncertainty uh, with an administration that is not actually having briefings at the moment versus an incoming administration that's already talking language that people are beginning to understand, like the dimmer switch idea, which I quite like. As we get more positivity, we have to dial back um, our um, connections with other people, which is going to be really difficult after – you know, nine months, seven months of being in isolation at a time when families come together uh, and celebrate each other is going to be really difficult for people to get a hold of.
0: I think that that is very, very true. And one of the main challenges right now in addressing COVID-19, and one of the reasons we've gotten to this point, is that individuals have been gathering and spreading the virus um and have not been really cognizant of the um, what could happen as a result of that because of COVID fatigue, uh, and I think that's pretty clear. The challenge, though, is that um, that fatigue is going to start turning into something really bad at this point, and particularly for for families. and I'm concerned. I saw a recent uh, poll that indicated that 30. of Americans plan to still have gatherings of greater than 10 people for Thanksgiving. So that's over a third of the country. And um, and families will be infecting families. There's not going to be masks worn, I I assume, for the most part at those events. Um, And people are going to be eating even And touching things and the same plates. And Thanksgiving to me is a super spreader event. I'm sorry. um, And I love Thanksgiving, but it's a super spreader event. And not just that, but it's going to be tragic for families in that um, there are going to be people that make decisions that, um, you know, result in their death. And, it's, and I hate to 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 sound like I'm fearmongering, but I think that that's the the case.
1: Right. Well, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's just so difficult though for people to think about these traditions, these things that sort of define family. You know, when you look back through your photo album, um, those the most of those pictures are when the family gets together at these at these um, Thanksgiving, at these times. graduations, right.
0: marriages. Right. All these are landmark events for families.
1: Yeah, that we can look back on and say, that was our happy family. <laughs> we, right, we, right. We, we need that. At the same time, we're bringing generations together, and we do know, and there's no question about this, certainly in my family, and um, the, the younger people are taking more risks than the older people. Unfortunately, <laughs> there 38% of those families are going to bring those generations together where you're going to get... Problems. Um, I think, you know, the state has and just been, kids that have been in school or yeah,
0: kids that have yeah. been playing um, sports, that's you right. know, those types of of things, not just uh, you know, kids that may be going out and college students who may be going out and have been partying and now coming back home. That's it. That's the case as well. But a lot of times it's going to be, you know, through no fault. Um, and I don't I don't know if you can fault a kid for for partying. It's one of the we've talked about it before. It's one of the main challenges of this virus is that it's different for Um, different people and it's not like you know the outbreak from the 1992 movie the Michael Crichton book where you know you get these bad legions and all that and it's it 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 takes your life Um, because of those varying differences of for individuals individuals deal with it a different way and you're so right about the fact that all these people are going to come together for Thanksgiving in those large uh, gatherings
1: right And the other thing, of course, Chris, as we know, is that the majority of people who are positive are asymptomatic, right? And so it's that whole thing. Like I'm invulnerable. I mean, there's, and this isn't about blame. It's about, you know, I I was thinking about it yesterday when Nancy Reagan said, "Just what was it? um, uh, Don't do it. Just say no. Just say no. (laughs) Don't do it." That's reverse Nike. She said, just, just say no. Yeah. I mean, is that really helpful for, for, to somebody in the throes of addiction? Just saying don't get together at the, at, at, for Thanksgiving is, is sort of the same thing. Exactly. I think the state's done a really nice job. I read this morning the um, Secretary uh, S- uh, Sutter sent out a letter saying, look, here's what happens when we take risks. And they start low risk is, you know, doing a remote Thanksgiving. Uh, over you know, Zoom or whatever. Medium risk is having a couple of family me- members together or, in the case of people in residence, is bringing families and uh, to the residents and having them seen through the windows, and then and really what she does in the in the uh, even in the letter is go up through the gears, if you like, up to high risk. And high risk is taking your loved one from one of our resi programs back into the family where multiple generations are coming back, and then sending them back because we, if that happens, we are going to have problems in terms of uh, positive um, in positive um, uh, coronavirus in our residences and we have to make sure that we don't do that. How do you address
0: that from an organizational standpoint where you've seen leaders um, of states of cities say you know basically you shouldn't have thanksgiving um, but you know we're not going to make thanksgiving illegal so how do you address that from an organizational standpoint where um, you know you obviously are going to have people throughout the organization that are going to Mm -hmm to gather, and they're going to do varying degrees of the risks that you
1: described. So it's all about education. It's all about pleading. It's all about cajoling. It's not about ordering people. We can't do that. I mean, good Lord, we just gave turkey vouchers out to everybody in the the (laughs) organization, and then it would be a little cruel to say, hey, listen, here's some turkey vouchers. No, you can't have Thanksgiving. Of course, we're not going to say that. But what we are going to implore people is to think about your own safety, think about your family's safety, and think about the person served. You know, the, the reason – the number one reason why people want to be at BAMSI is because of the work that they do with the with persons served. Just think about that for a minute. Those are the people that we need to protect most of all and um, the precious commodity of our staff.
0: It, to me, it's um, – is the risk worth it? And, you know, how would you feel if something happens to a person served? How would you feel if something happens to your uncle – your dad, your mom, um, those are the you know, the, the risks that um, are not worth taking, in my view. And, um, you know, it, it may feel good that day for everybody to get together and, and take some pictures, but, you know, what if somebody's missing from one of those pictures next year as a result of what took place at Thanksgiving? Yeah. And as harsh as that sounds, I mean, that's the reality of the circumstance. I do think, and I want to get to um, – you know, some of the, the things that have worked and not worked in regards to, you know, addressing COVID um, and making modifications to how, you know, we operate here at Bamsey in a second. But I do think that um, with the positive news from Moderna and Pfizer in regards to a vaccination, that it does make the sacrifices of Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, and the next several months easier, because it looks like there is a finish line in regards to the spring and the summer. And I think that now is the time for leaders and public officials, you know, to rally people and say, look, we have three or four months um, to sacrifice. And that sacrifice for the greater good of our community, our families, our states um, is really, really important. Um, We don't want to see individuals lose their lives that don't have to. So let's make some changes. Let's wear our masks. Let's social distance. We know what to do. We have the tools and we just need to do this for a couple more months and then the vaccine will be here and we get back to you know our lives again. And I think that that message
1: needs to be heard loud and clear across this country. I think so. I mean, it, it is... What is going to be really nice, I think, is clarity of message. And, you know, and I believe that this next administration is going to do that. You know, Dr. Fauci has been complaining bitterly over the weekend about this sort of lack of attention to detail here and this continuing messaging about this not being that serious. Just one voice out of out of Washington that says, look... There is light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that's absolutely true chris that's, it's hugely important that pe- people begin to see some hope um, because I think people have been feeling like well this is the way it's going to be ongoing right. it isn't it isn't there you know human ingenuity has come up with a vaccine um, both you know in Europe and here which will work within a remarkably quick period of time it's incredibly what uh, what we've been able to do that'll be in the spring now let's just hunker down and let's not Close down our lives altogether, but you said it before. Wearing a mask makes a huge difference in terms of the spread.
0: Yeah, let's just wear masks, particularly now in cold and flu season, where an asymptomatic individual, you know, may be spreading the virus via just a simple cold. That's right, and um, you know, just a simple triggering of um, you know of dust particles or whatever the case may be. So that's that's really really important that. Um, You know, we are wearing masks. We are socially distanced. We know the things that we need to do. And, you know, just set the things that you want to do in the spring. Think about those. Plan those. You know, plan your vacations. Have those things and get-togethers that you, you know, want to look forward to. And, um, you know, set the Easter as being the time that the family is going to get back together again. And, okay, we can get through Thanksgiving and Christmas because, you know, we have – Easter down the road or Mother's Day or Father's Day, and I know it seems like a long time out, and it is, but um, not really. Not really. Yeah, in the in the, in the, in, the or, in the overarching aspect of things, and as I've gotten older, those time periods have gotten shorter
1: and shorter. Five minutes. it's, yeah, it's just it's just really right around the corner at this point. It you is, know, and also focus on how great that party is going to be. Can right. you imagine all of that sort of pent up uh, emotion? Is and, and it's just something to look forward to. I think. So, from an organizational standpoint. Um, What changes do you
0: anticipate having to make over the next uh, couple of months?
1: I think we're having to reassess. You know, I think the, the benefit of going, going through this awful thing the first time is that we've learned a lot um, from from what happened. Um, I think, you know, we continue to spend an awful lot of money on uh, PPE, making sure that our staff have the best available protective equipment uh, that, is, uh, that is out there. I think moving, um, piloting, again, some of the homes um, to live-in models, which we're already doing, uh, going into emergency uh, operating procedures, the minute we know that there is a uh, an exposure, uh, we're totally on that. I see that again, the dial going up and down as we move through that. Uh, we're testing people every two weeks now. Uh, which really allows us to identify those asymptomatic people and um, and make sure that everybody has protections. We're working with all of the guidelines from the state, which I think are really good. Um, and then telehealth—you know—we've talked about telehealth a lot over the last six months. It's here; it's here to stay. I don't see it as the only thing that we'll be doing a year from now, but I do see that we'll continue to use that. People, there's a lot of people very fed up with it. I mean, you know, and you know, I've, I've done some uh, therapy through um, face, FaceTime. And it's not the same thing, but it does the job for the short term. Um, and, you know, we're still seeing people in the clinic, at Whitman, when we need to. There are some people who really need to be seen and we're taking all of those precautions. It's just a question of knowing how to keep safe and then abiding by it and making sure that we're all encouraging each other uh, to wear our masks and our PPE.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot about telehealth and its positives and its negatives. Um, It allows for a um, connection that exists in ways and times it it wouldn't, um, whether it's uh, the ability to um, connect with a person that may be an expert across the country, whether it is um, the ability to um, break down barriers of access in regards to um, people being unable to travel Um, not having a vehicle, not being able to get a ride um, and things of of that nature. But, um, you know, there is that personal connection that is really important. And there's obviously certain uh, aspects of health where you can't do, um, you know, a physical examination via telehealth that needs to uh, take place, you know, screenings and things of, of that nature. And, you know, we've heard mixed things in regards to the clinical side, whether, um, some will say that it's it's really good and it makes the um, individual feel at ease. Yeah. They're kind of doing it on their terms yeah. in their home, That's right. um, and they're not walking into someone else's office and um, you know kind of ceding the power, if you will, to that other person who is more comfortable on their own turf, the the clinician. Um, but then you know people have kind of lost interest as well because of the lack of a personal connection that uh, exists, and they've kind of gotten tired of the technology piece. But there's no question that it's still to be determined exactly the role that telehealth is going to to play, but it, it is allowing for some more positive results um, than you would have before. So if a person, it works for them to do telehealth, you want to have that tool with you for that yeah. to take place. Yeah. If it doesn't work, then... It's best for that individual to do something a little bit different in an in-person setting.
1: Right. And just talk talk about the internal mechanisms and workings of BAMSI as well. The meetings that we're having are all on Zoom now. Again, you know, I, I know there's Zoom fatigue but just think about the time it takes when we, have, when we used to have these quarterly meetings where the entire leadership got together or you'd have town hall meetings. And they are nice. They are. And there's no question people get to find out about other departments. But the but that we're saving so much time by being able to get together. We had a meeting at eight o'clock this morning before I came here about a property in Easton and there were eight and nine people on there. It was half an hour, it was it was all business and then we and then I came straight here. Yeah. You know, otherwise it would have been, you know, half an hour travel each way. There are benefits that we've been this forced adoption has made us confront and say, you know what, that works. So we need to be flexible with all of these additional tools that we've got. Indeed.
0: And I know we want to talk a little about um, branding. Uh, And when Yulia Lago is going to join you in a second here to discuss that. And, you know, I think that um, branding is something that is is so important for our organization because we do so much good work on such a consistent basis. but it's very difficult to define exactly you know what that work um, is in totality because of the varying differences of all the different aspects of our organization, and um, you know just in starting to uh, to work with you at Bamsi, there's always the question: well, What does Bamsi stand for? What does Bamsi even mean? What is Bamsi? And um, why is it Bamsi? Like it's, so, there's all these all these questions that um, that exists and. I think a lot of times uh, communications and branding are so important to the organization in how it um, feels about itself and represents itself, but also to um, the individual that is seeking the service and trying to figure out exactly what everything is and how to go about um, going through uh, an organization to figure out exactly what works for them and what each um, part of the organization does. So I think offering clarity and having a, a clear vision is very, very important for morale, for retention of workers, and for um, the overall health of a an organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's every organization, I believe, should look at what their brand is and look at how they stand out in the community. And, um, you know, I mean, there are two things that we're interested to hear in uh, Bamsley, well, there's many things, but the but the most in- important things, they think, for the, our future are the staff that we need to encourage to come and work for us and to keep them through retention, and there's a branding issue there. But it's also how do we begin to raise funds so that we can make sure that we're competitive both in the... Houses that we build for people and the salaries that we can pay the people who are doing the real work. And so branding is a part of that recruitment and retention issue. And even the name, it's really interesting because BAMSI stands for, as everybody knows, Brockton Area Multi-Service Inc. Um, And we are way broader than Brockton. So, you know, is that an old name? And even if we want to keep the name, is there a tagline that we need to look for as well that makes sure that we discuss that we describe our system of care because right now we're lots of different services and it's an amazing array of services but how linked in are them are they so we can call them a system of care and then at the end of the day i think of geico geico is a really good example of branding so geico has been around for what is it now 100 years and it was a uh, federal government insurance company so geico i think is government Employee insurance something organization that sounds really dull. But what Geico did was it sounds like a gecko, mm-hmm. I suppose, and so they got a spokesman who had a ridiculous London accent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now people think of it as a fairly trendy insurance product in an insurance world that isn't particularly trendy. In right. uh, but but we all know that fifteen minutes uh, can save you. Um, $15 or less on your car insurance. Yes, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody except me apparently knows right. that. <laughs> I could have just let you sit out there for a little bit and Thank figure it out. Thank you for rescuing me.
0: Um, but I think you make your, I think you make a really good point in that um, you know there's the, the importance of community and the importance of, of local, but there's also the ability to define your entity on the broad terms which it exists so that you can bring in larger scale uh, donors um, and larger scale quote unquote sponsors of, a, of an organization. And if an entity is defined as strictly being you know, Brockton, um, that creates barriers in, in recognizing the really uh, almost statewide impact of, of the organization. I'm going to hand it over to
1: yourself and uh, Yulia who are going to take us through that process. Hi everybody, um, I am joined by, uh, with Yulia uh, uh, Lego today and we are going to talk about branding. Hi Yulia. Hi Peter. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I have known about BAMSI for probably 20 years and I've always had a really high opinion of the organization and part of that is because I was a, a little bit of an insider. I worked for the state for a long time and worked for other provider organizations. And always knew Bamsi has a, a reputation of being of having high integrity, providing really good services for um, vulnerable populations. But I always thought this is a really big agency that um, that n- people outside of the human service industry don't necessarily know a great deal about. And you know, and that's fine. I think uh, there are many organizations that uh, that do that. But we're in a different period now. I think we're in a period where we're looking at. Um, human services agencies being at risk, many of those being at risk because we're in a recession due to the pandemic. And also, I think there's a contracting of the service system uh, environment anyway. Um, And in that sense, that sort of pricks up our ears a little bit in terms of, well, what are we going to do about our place in our community? What are we going to do about two different um, populations that we're thinking about? Those are people that we're trying to recruit to come and fill some of the many vacancies that we have uh, and persuade them that we are a a preferred provider and employer in our communities. But also, we want to ignite a platform for people to say, why should I give to Bamsey? Why is Bamsey something that I should invest in? Because we need to diversify some of our revenue lines. And that's where branding comes in. So I wonder... Yulia, if you could talk a little bit about that process and where we're at with that and, and what we're thinking about in terms of creating a pathway toward a decision around branding for Bamsey, And then maybe tie that in to the, uh, to the skeptic who might say, why are we spending time on you know, the name or, or the colors that we use? And mm-hmm. maybe tie that in to all of the things that we do here.
2: In, in five minutes or less. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, branding is is really a big picture thing, and many people think of branding as you're talking about the logo or you're talking about the colors, you're talking about the tagline. But branding is really the heart and soul of the agency, and it's it's codifying it in many ways and figuring out how we talk about ourselves and how we present ourselves to the community. Um, BAMSI is is many things. It's a very large agency that provides a great deal of services to diverse populations. Um, and as you said, it's not well known. In many cases the programs are known but the the organization that supports them is not. People know I go to this location to work with Helpline or I go my child goes to base at this location but not that this is part of an integrated system of services that really support the entire community. So We're bringing in a consultant to help us really think through this, Um, and the process really begins with having a sit-down with a consultant, the two of us. Um, We're going to engage the board um, to bring them in, because this is really about the strategic direction of the organization, and have a conversation about who needs to be involved, who needs to be at the table for the decision-making process, but also, how are we gonna get feedback from the entire community of Bamsey? Um, this isn't, branding doesn't work if you just go off in a corner and do it. It's really about, as I said, the community, the whole organization. Um, we can't dictate what we think our core values are <laughs> and expect everyone to fall in line.
1: Wait, so you're saying that we need to brand internally as well as
2: externally? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, for a brand to work, um, Everyone needs to be part of it and able to express it. Um, You know, in fundraising, um, they talk a lot about having a mission moment, and um, I've heard a lot of um, fundraisers talk about NASA in the 60s, Mm -hmm. and that everybody knew, from the janitor to the senior scientist, that their mission was to get a man on the moon and bring him back safely. If you asked anyone in that organization, they would give you that soundbite. And that's what we need at Bamsi. We want everyone to know what our mission is, who we are, and when they're talking to a friend on the phone, when they're just meeting someone at the grocery store, they can say, "Oh yes, I work at Bamsi, and this is what we do."
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's so important as well, and and it would be different if we if all of our employees were in a very big building um, and we did the same thing. But what we are, are an organization that is geographically diverse, it's uh, programmatically diverse, uh, human being diverse, mm-hmm. and w- I think we do business in 150, 140 different places. So that's an issue, but I liked what you said earlier on about this idea of knowing what the system of care is. We were doing an oral presentation for an RFR for um, autism yesterday, and one of the questions that they asked is, where can uh, a, a frustrated and depressed parent of a child with autism go to get some mental health help? Yeah. That's our system of care. Yes. And we should be always thinking of it like that, right? Yes. that's part of the branding process, do you think?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you go to our website right now, we have, I don't even know how many programs listed. <laughs> there's, there's quite a few. Because we have so many wonderful programs and they're each individually very, very strong but talking about how someone, a parent of a child of autism, can get support, the child can be getting support at the Autism Center. The parent could also be getting support at our Parent Information Network or PIN Center. There's um, Helpline who might be helping them navigate the healthcare system. There's a variety of different programs we can offer to support the family.
1: Yeah, and so it comes to that whole you know, issue about I, I know this is much used phrase, but this notion of one stop shopping for, <laughs> for behavioral health and and uh, you know all of those other human services issues, and I'm really interested in this idea of internal branding mm-hmm. because then we begin to talk about who are the best ambassadors of our brand,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: those are the people that work here, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think what's great about Bamsi is how much everyone works here cares about what they do and cares about the people they serve. And that's what makes the system of care work so well. Um, our employees aren't in it for, for the money. They're, they're in it because they're making a difference. And to really highlight that, both internally so that we can promote that mentality, um, but externally so people understand how wonderful our staff is. Hmm.
1: But it is important for us to be able to relate what our branding activities are to those people who work here so that they understand it's part of a bigger strategic initiative mm-hmm. to actually make sure that people are paid a fair wage, mm-hmm. not just a living wage, but a fair wage. And we do that in many ways by being attractive to people who are willing to give us money because they understand it. Because people don't give money to unsuccessful organizations. You know, if you have money, it's the same in any society, right? You have, if you've got money, it's easy to get it. But we need to show that success in what we do so that people – it's attractive for people to, 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 to give uh, money to Bamsey so that we can increase uh, people's pay.
2: Absolutely. Individual donations um, from the community who see the work that we're doing is, is critical. And also the – being able to highlight the quality of our employees and what they do is a great tool in advocating for higher, higher reimbursement rates from the state.
1: Right. So it's that idea of you know advocacy, of donor development, excellence in programs that distinguishes us from the competition. Yes. Because our story is not unlike the story of many other human service providers. The branding piece, right? Distinguishes us, yes. or, seek or seeks to do that.
2: Yes, and it, it gives us a platform to do so much more.
1: Right, and the process—how long are we looking at?
2: I mean, it's an intensive process. Um, I would say we should plan on about six months because we really need to let ideas germinate and and foment, ferment, grow. <laughs> <laughs> As we, um, you know, things have to stick. We need to get buy-in, but I think at the end of it, we will have something that. Everyone in the organization can support, and that's really what's most important.
1: Will it be a big reveal?
2: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in many ways, it shouldn't be a surprise, right? Um, you know, maybe when mm. we do a, a do, if the new logo is part of it, we can do a nice reveal of that. But enough people should have given input along the way that it's not shocking or really a huge surprise right
1: well i look forward to it because i think it's uh having been through this a couple of times uh i have to say that i was a little cynical to start with being an operations person for so for so long but when you begin to see that your name has more recognition out out there when you have an organization that have an elevator speech Mm -hmm. that is passionate and actually tells an outward story of the wonderful work that happens inwardly Then you begin to go places, I think. Then you begin to distinguish yourself from other people who are doing also great work, by Mm -hmm. the way. But, you know, BAMSI needs to stand out. And that's what we intend to do over the next six months.
2: Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much, Julia.
2: Thank you, Peter.